The purpose of Wealth Talk is to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain you on the subject of building your wealth. Wealth Builders recommends you should always take independent financial, tax, or legal advice before making any decisions around your finances. Welcome to episode 56 of Wealth Talk. My name is Christian Rodwell, the Membership Director for Wealth Builders, and I'm joined today by our founder, Mr. Kevin Whelan. Hi, Kevin. Hello there, Chris. Self-isolating still. How about you? Keeping my distance, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I am indeed. Hopefully not for too much longer. I know uh, everyone's doing so well with this, and uh, hopefully we'll all be looking at each other eyeball to eyeball very soon, which would be really good. Yeah. Definitely. So we're actually kind of keeping a little bit along this theme today, of course, because there's so much happening out there at the moment. And certainly within the property world, there's some, uh, you know, there's some, some, I don't say challenges, right? At the moment, there's been some stalls on deals and things that people were looking at, you know, obviously having to rethink their strategies now. And we're going to be looking at a particular area of the property market today with our guests. Yeah. So, I mean, Susie Carter is the guest today. Uh, you can probably remember what episode she was on, Chris. Um, yeah, it was actually, first, first back in uh, Wealth Talk 30 when Susie appeared talking about commercial property. Right. So, you know, Susie is an expert in commercial property, but the reason we've asked Susie to come on again isn't really just about the lessons she'll teach as well as she does as, as always about commercial property, but the lessons that apply to our wealth in general, Chris. I mean, look, let's face it. Um, we're not going to get back to normal, right? You know, there's going to be a new version of normal. It's not normal because you're not going to be shopping like you did before. You're not going to be going down the high street in the same way as you did before. So, and you're going to be looking at opportunities in a different way. And this is the essence of the lesson. So listen to what Susie says. And if, whether you're interested in commercial property or not, Listen for the wealth lessons here because they're quite valuable. And those who are interested in commercial property will signpost. She's written an article about this, Chris, and I know she's keen to to upskill to help people really take advantage of the opportunities that are undoubtedly coming in this sector. And we'll maybe signpost those at the end, but uh, maybe good just to listen in and, and think about the wider issue, not just about commercial property here. Okay, sure. Let's head on over to our interview with Susie Carter. Susie, welcome to Wealth Talk. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on here today, Susie. Now we're going to talk about commercial property landscape and how things are perhaps changing with the COVID-19 that obviously we're right in the middle of right now. But before we do that, Susie, I'd really love to hear a little bit about how you got into commercial property because I know that, is it around about 25 years now you've been involved? I look far too young. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's scarily, actually. So I, um, I, I kind of started, um, I'm a chartered surveyor. So I kind of, I trained to be a chartered surveyor and I entered the London commercial property market about 1995. So, um, yeah, I worked for a, a company called, well, it was Hillier Parker at the time, which is now CBRE, which is obviously a really large real estate agency worldwide. Um, and then I, I've, I've had various kind of roles throughout the years. Um, I worked for B&Q, um, doing big acquisitions for them. Um, and I was a director at Land Securities, latterly in the corporate world, um, where I manage big portfolios of retail parks and shopping centres. Um, but I've kind of specialised in offices, um, industrial, kind of all kinds of commercial property through the years. 
So over the last 25 years, I mean, we've had two recessions in that period, right? So it's not like you haven't seen a time like, well, we haven't quite seen the time like now, <laughs> but in terms of how the market may react, perhaps you've been here before and you can provide some insights as to how you think things might pan out over the coming months and year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, as you say, th- these are completely, I mean, I think to quote um, our Chancellor Rishi, I think, you know, these are unprecedented times, aren't they? He says that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, they are. And I'm not, sh- I'm not sure that any of us know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I have seen two recessions um, and I, I've got a pretty good idea how commercial property markets react. I also um, know the retail market intimately because I've worked in it. And I think that's the market that is going to be the one that's going to be most affected. So, you know, I do think um, I, I've got a pretty good idea how the retail market is going to react as well. Okay. So perhaps it'd be really useful, Susie, if you would give us maybe just a quick summary of how the market was looking before COVID kicked in. Yeah, sure. So um, it was an interesting market because um, the UK was on sale because the pound was so cheap because of Brexit. So um, it was actually a really attractive market for overseas investors. And and the UK commercial property market has always been really attractive for uh, overseas investors because of its stability, its regulation, legislation, etc. But they were kind of, a lot of investors were being scared off by Brexit for obvious reasons. And then um, I think almost more than Brexit, the general election was really quite scary for a lot of overseas and domestic purchases of commercial property. So I was sitting in a meeting with some kind of large um, agents and large investors kind of just post the general election. And there was billions and billions of pounds worth of transactions that were being um, had been put on hold effectively to see what the outcome of the election was. And I think if it had gone any other way, um, I think those would have been aborted transactions. But as it was, there was a massive bulk of transactions, you know, investment transactions that happened post-election. So the market, you know, values were values were holding up. The, the, the retail market, um, I don't think it'll be any surprise to any of the listeners that, you know, has got struck, had had and has even more now got structural issues. I think there was a lot of um, kind of zombie companies that were limping through, um, you know, just because people were still spending. So um, I think the, the, re, the retail market, you know, had its own issues. It's very, it's very much a sector in recession. Um, I think that everybody in the market was expecting there to be a, a, a recession at some point, some kind of fall in prices. But I don't think anyone really kind of knew when that would be. Um, obviously, we do now. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, kind of I think so. I think I think there was some cautious optimism. I think that um, pre-Christmas, everywhere, you know, the conferences and the people I was talking to and obviously in my own experience, everybody was kind of... Um, thinking that 2020 would be a make or break as to kind of how many trade deals the UK could execute um, quickly to kind of give confidence back to the markets. Um, and But there was kind of cautious optimism that, you know, let's just get Brexit done now. If, if it's a done deal, let's just get it done. And then we can all move on with our lives kind of after that. So the office market was still relatively strong, kind of regional offices, especially in city offices were doing well. Obviously, the office to resi market was doing has been doing well across the country for a couple of years, a few years. Um, and the logistics and distribution markets were, were incredibly strong still. Um, and, and the kind of the, the hotels, the um, student, student resi markets, again, pretty strong. So, you know, everyone was kind of cautiously optimistic for 2020 before all this, this happened. 
Yeah. And now this has happened and it's just, you know, it's happened so quickly. Um, obviously, there's many businesses and, uh, you know, we'll talk about those that are most at risk and in trouble. Um, are there any that are flourishing? Are there any actually positive effects here within that market as a result of, of the virus? Yeah, well, absolutely. But, um, you know, in terms of kind of the effect on physical property, um, obviously the food stores are flourishing and obviously the, all the businesses that are being kept open. It's quite interesting that all the retailers other than the food stores are kind of saying that they, they, they found a massive upsurge at the beginning of lockdown, but now everything's kind of business as usual. And the food, food stores are starting to say that, that, um, <coughs> excuse me, they had um, an uptick in, you know, a massive uptick in business. But, um, but, but the, um, you know, I think Tesco, um, are now giving um, dividends to their shareholders, whereas before, um, you know, they, they were going to be in a loss-making position purely because they don't have to pay business rates. Um, and obviously, with that number of stores across the country, you know, there's a huge benefit in that. Um, and obviously, the other kind of side of life is the is the online and the distribution. Um, your distribution is is very very strong because everyone's kind of jumped online. Um, I would imagine online training is doing incredibly well. Um, and kind of various industries like that. So yeah, of course, there's industry um, industries that are doing well. But you know, other than that, the economy, is, as we know, has, has, has stopped. You know, everyone's working from home as best they can. Um, so it kind of it kind of gives me a wry smile when I hear you know them saying, well, you know, expect a recession because of course there's going to be a recession. All a recession is 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 negative growth in the economy, and of course that's to be expected given the fact that you know everything's on hold. Yes. And, um, you know, how in your experience, you know, how long will that lag be before we really start to see some of the effects of, of the last month or so? Yeah. So if we're looking at commercial property pricing, um, so it was interesting. Um, I was I do some consultancy work in the commercial property field for a client and we were putting a bid in for um, for a property. And um, the valuers had literally valued about a week before lockdown. So literally a week after lockdown, I asked them, you know, well, what, what's the effect on value now? And other than a kind of short caveat in their valuation, they didn't make any change to it. So there's always a time lag, as you say, in terms of kind of valuation changes. Um, and you know, the RICS is giving guidance, you know, to, to valuers now. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of caution in the market. It, might, um, it really will start hitting. So commercial property, uh, the big commercial property owners like pension funds and property uh, companies, they have their portfolios revalued very regularly. Pension funds quite often quarterly. So um, there, there will be the losses will start to kind of register once those quarterly valuations, which are kind of around now, start being published. Um, so we'll start seeing the drops from valuers, and that will continue. Um, so there is always a time lag um, for kind of the drop, and I don't know when that will bottom out. You know, I wish I wish I did. You know, but I think that um, I think it will be another few months until we see, we see the bottom, and it really now depends on on how quickly we come out of lockdown um, and kind of where market confidence is and obviously the impact on you know the rest of the world and you know, there is a correlation between what's happening in other markets in terms of bond market gilts stocks and shares you know kind of it all it all relatively correlated so obviously investing is all down to sentiment and if that sentiment is very negative then prices drop so what we saw in 2008 was that um, that there was there was quite an immediate shock because of these these regular revaluations of, of property. You know the impact was felt quite quickly. But post Lehman's, 
Um, and it probably took about a bit, probably took six months to a year to really kind of bottom out at that point. Um, and then it probably took kind of two years, three years to kind of come back to two years probably. But that's a lot quicker than the residential market. You know, kind of the weight of money that wants to get into commercial property in this country does make, mean that kind of prices tend to come back quicker than residential property. Um, I think that what um, kind of from asking around and from my own thoughts, I think that everyone's kind of expecting that pricing will come back quicker this time because it is kind of like a short, sharp shock. Um, obviously, that really depends what happens, you know, from here on in. Um, if, if we gradually come out of lockdown, we don't get any resurgence, you know, we still have social distancing, but, you know, people can get back to relative normality. I think we're not going to see mass gatherings for quite a long time, but, um, you know, kind of if people can, you know, at least kind of start doing a bit of traveling and getting back to normal life, shops can reopen, then it, it may be that actually we see the bottom sooner rather than later and then prices do, do kind of start to rise but um, I, I'm kind of for my own investing kind of thinking that it's probably going to take at least a year for things to really a year to a year and a half for things to really get back to normal so we, there's kind of a there's a sweet spot in between if you want to look for some opportunities where even the prime product will be cheaper than it was kind of two months ago you know and therefore it, it, it depends what you want to buy but you know could, there could be some great commercial opportunities out there yeah well we'll talk about those opportunities um, perhaps in in a moment i'd just like to kind of get your thoughts susie on you know is this a pivotal moment for the high street are we going to see a noticeable change now moving forwards do you think yeah i mean it, it was it was it was like um it was happening anyway so um you know i think that there's basically too much retail space on our in our towns and cities um, and that's being caused by shopping centers springing up you know by you know, it, there was a real boom time when you know there's stacks of stacks of retail and already um you know that is the high streets shrinking shopping centers you know are kind of um all other than the really prime shopping centers that have been really struggling to let space um, there's been a lot more of the kind of tipping in the relationship between landlord and tenants. So the, the kind of the bargaining power um, has been in, in the tenants' favour, you know, so um, they've been getting much much tougher on lease terms. They've been, um, you know, rents have been reducing. There's been a lot more turnover-based rents where you kind of, the landlord was sharing the success of the retailer, you know, and, and kind of get a proportion of that success in, for their rent rather than like a set rent. Um, so there's been a lot of structural changes happening, you know, and pricing has been dropping in the retail sector. Um, and, and now I think that, you know, it was, so it was basically on a cliff edge. And I now think that kind of it, it's kind of it, it, it's going to fall off the cliff. We've already seen Laura Ashley, Oasis Warehouse, Debenhams go, um, Arcadia rumoured to be kind of teetering on the edge. Um, and, you know, as I said earlier, that there's quite a lot of these zombie businesses that have been kind of propped up by the fact that the consumer is still spending, the economy, economy was still relatively strong. And, um, you know, I, I think what we're going to see now, and, and, and unfortunately, it is going to take a little while to play out. So, you know, I, I, I think we can expect to see a raft of receiverships over the next six months to a year. And, you know, very sadly, it's going to create stack of voids in our towns and cities. You know, there's going to be a real painful uh, it's going to be a really painful time for a lot of commercial retail landlords. Um, 
but then there's some there's there are some sectors that will still be okay you know kind of your hairdressers your kind of um you know your more local traders um I, obviously there'll be some administrations and receiverships in that sector but you know if you're a hairdresser or um you know a beautician or whatever you're going to be going back to work quite quickly so as a retail landlord you you know you're kind of you're probably okay and you know ironically in that sector you know we've all been chasing blue chip tenants for years but actually it's probably the more kind of um uh, kind of necessities that are actually now going to be the tenants that, that will kind of hold strong so um i think what we can expect is for high streets to shrink now i think that um, that the problem has been um, in terms of alternative uses for, for high street and, and for secondary and tertiary shopping um, is that there's not um, that there's not been enough price rebasing for um, developments to happen. So, you know, kind of um, landlords haven't recognized the pain and this might be the point at which that pain is recognized and they're willing to sell for lower prices, which means that, you know, there might be opportunities for commercial to residential, um, Etc. For for other for, for for kind of other non non commercial landlords. So I think that um, yeah, high streets will shrink. I think shopping centres are going to go through a really painful patch because there's a lot of space in shopping centres, and you know what are they going to do with it? But there will come a point at which um, redevelopment can happen because pricing is low enough that actually development kind of works, you know, and your land values work, but I, that's going to take a while to play out. In the meantime, sadly, I think there's going to be a lot of pain. Um, I think that there will, there will still be some strong locations. So I suspect that once everybody's been let loose, they'll be quite keen to, to spend again. So, you know, I, I'm still expecting niche retail, you know, kind of your um, relatively affluent towns um, with, you know, some good convenient shops and maybe some nice boutiques, etc. will probably still be okay um it, it's your kind of larger town and cities where rents were probably too high for retailers anyway the lease terms are very onerous um there'll be cvas and receiverships galore sadly um and you know it, it, there's going to be a lot of bad news coming out of the retail sector but um but 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 in a way it almost needs to happen for everything as i said earlier for everything to be rebased so that you know, things could start to be building again. And I would think that in the medium to long term, what we're going to see is our towns and cities, um, you know, rather than just shopping locations, they're going to be leisure, they're going to be residential, mixed use. Um, people will live, work, play there um, rather than just shop there, basically. Mm -hmm. Now, some of our listeners now, Susie, may well be commercial landlords. Are there any, is there any advice, anything that they can be doing now to try and protect themselves for what might be coming over the coming months? Well, I think the first thing is um, your kind of rent roll. So obviously um, the immediate concern is making sure that your tenants are paying the rent. And, um, you know, I would really encourage everyone to have open up, if you haven't already, which I'm sure a lot of people have, open up lines of communication with your tenants. You know, find out where they are, um, kind of, you know, work with them if you can collaboratively. collaboratively. Um, and, you know, if, if they ask for rent reductions or, or payment holidays, um, obviously consider them. I'm not suggesting you do that. But I think that um, if you if you did, then I would I would ask them for cash flow forecasts. I would look I would ask them for their balance sheet, for their accounts. Basically, what you don't want to be doing at this point is propping up a failing business. You know, so, you know, if, if that's the case, you want to be getting your rent out of those tenants but if you see that that business has some longevity there's you know there's enough cash in the business for it to carry on and actually there's a bit of just a bit of short-term pain 
they, they want to kind of weather, then it might be the time to kind of work more collaboratively, maybe um, set up a payment plan for them or whatever. Um, what we're finding is that a lot of, um, it, it's not the smaller shops that are, that are not paying, it's the kind of, you know, um, the, the, the fashion retailers, etc., who are just saying, right, we're not paying you arrogantly because we can, you know, basically we can not pay, so we're not going to pay. A new Mr. or Mrs. small landlord has, you know, got no bargaining power with us. Um, they're the situations that I would really play hardball, um, send bailiffs in, etc., you know, with, with which is, a, which is a remedy. It's very difficult to forfeit leases in the commercial world, but you can do it, but obviously speak to your lawyers about that. And also look at if you've got rent deposit deeds in, in you know, if, if you've, um, if, if you've got rent deposit deeds that you, that are part of, you know, your letting, which basically means you might have three to six months rent sitting in the back for exactly for times like this that you could maybe draw on. So obviously make sure that you, um, make sure you get your rent or at least have that communication with, with the tenant and know that there's some kind of payment plan being set up at the moment. And then, um, you know, obviously if you're, um, if you think there's a, there's a fear of your, um, uh, tenant going down, you know, into liquidation. This is where the communication needs to be really, you know, regular. I would offer to take the lease back before that happens. And what I mean by that is, um, no, no. Sometimes, if if a property goes into receivership, so say a retailer goes into receivership, the receiver will keep it going, and in the hope that there's there's a buyer. So, you know, if it's a larger retail, you know, they'll, they'll be furloughing their staff at the moment so they'll be kind of keeping that going um, and, and if a receiver is called they'll basically be keeping the company going until they can find a buyer but obviously if they can't find a buyer that's when they kind of wrap it up um, and you know but if, if you think that there's really you know and, and the prospects are through that communication that um, they're going to go into receivership and, and you think it's probably unlikely that a buyer is going to be found whether it's you know whether it's too small an operation or whatever then I would really um, very strongly recommend you speak to your commercial property solicitor and and discuss maybe um, getting the tenant to take a lease surrender so handing the lease back to you you let them off um, whilst that seems kind of crazy in terms of in this environment if they're going to go anyway and stop paying rent um, you aren't a secured um, creditor so you're, you're not going to be first in the line for kind of getting the money um, in my experience when when leases are with uh, properties are with receivers it can take up to a year sometimes for the whole receivership to unravel especially if there's multiple units and and you can't let that property for a year while it's with the receivers so you either have to kind of be negotiated with the receivers and of course at the moment they're going to be very very busy it's good that, that's the kind of growth business at the moment um, uh, and 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 you're probably kind of quite near the bottom of the pecking pecking order. So, you know, I would seriously think about that because what it will mean is that you can then put that that property on the market quickly. Hopefully, when all this is over, you can find a tenant or you know at least a temporary tenant to pay the business rates um, when they come back in into you know into being paid, and, um, and and you can kind of you can get on with your life rather than being tied up in a horrible receivership for for ages. Mm. So obviously the key to being an entrepreneur is looking for these profitable opportunities, Susie, and there will be some um, undoubtedly. So for our listeners now, what can they be doing to be getting themselves ready for when these opportunities do start to show themselves? Yeah, so I think that there's various things. I mean, the, the obvious first one is to, is to try and get as cash, cash rich as you can. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret that in uh, recessions, banks... Um, 
you know, drawback on their on their lending. Um, and, and, you know, this isn't a banking recession like 2008 was where, you know, lending just stopped. So you had to be in cash. So you still will be able to borrow, but lending terms won't be as good. So, you know, now is the time if, if you if you have investors to, to you know, um, try and bring investors into the business, you know, kind of encouraging them to to kind of hold their nerve ready for kind of buying kind of Q3, Q4 this year, perhaps. Um, so, so kind of kind of get your cash basically together to to, to look at it um if if you um if you're looking at commercial property and maybe you haven't done too much before or maybe you're an accidental landlord then i would really encourage getting more knowledge um so you know um i see a lot of people investing in commercial property almost accidentally and actually you could probably make a lot more money if you if you get a bit more education a bit more training so kind of um perhaps look at that um and you know really track the market and kind of look at um kind of get get your strategy together so you know um lots of journaling lots of thinking about where you might want to be um you know it's it's well proven that as an entrepreneur you um you kind of make your money in times like this you know want without wanting to be ruthless about this you know and it, it feels slightly distasteful talking about it given that people are dying all over the country but ultimately you know to protect our businesses we have to be entrepreneurial we have to pivot our businesses at the times like this and if you were following a strategy um, you know, two months ago, perhaps that's not relevant anymore. And, you know, now is the time to really think about and strategize your business so that you can start to think about taking advantage of, of buying opportunities because there will be a lot of buying opportunities, whether that's, you know, um, buying cheaper commercial to convert to residential by using permitted development rights, um, whether that's, you know, just buying really good commercial property but at cheaper prices, kind of or whatever, whatever your strategy is, you know, you kind of, you need to be make sure that you've um, researched it, you're tracking it, you've got your power team in place, so you know you've got the right lawyer, the right accountant, um, the right um, commercial property agents, you know, ready to advise you. You know, so just basically get get yourself ready so that you can be out the blocks quickly to to take advantage. And with some of the institutional lending now, obviously not being so accessible, is it a good time for those people who are maybe looking at SaaS as a source of funding to explore that more? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, that whole cash, um, you know, when I say cash, you know, SaaS definitely falls in, into that. And obviously you can buy commercial property within your within your SaaS um, or, or your SIP and you can um, you can leverage that as well by, by getting a mortgage. So um, obviously, you know, wealth builders can, can advise on that. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that SaaS, SaaS holders, especially if you've got a reasonably, you know, sizable pension pot, um, will be very well placed, very well placed in, in the market that is to come. And even if you've got a relatively small pot, as I say, you can leverage that to buy commercial property. And, and don't forget that commercial property isn't all, you know, millions of pounds worth of, you know, offices or whatever. You know, you can buy commercial property for the same price as you can buy a house. You just, at, at that, but at that end of the market, you just need to be sure you know what your multiple exits are because obviously you're not talking about the most prime product in the market. Yeah, no, that's been very interesting. Is there anything, Susie, that we haven't covered that you'd like to just add before we finish today? Well, I was just kind of really thinking about kind of where the opportunities might lie. And I think, um, you know, kind of my take on things, you know, I said earlier about retail, I think that, you know, if, if you if you are still investing in a in a in a, uh, affluent towns and, and I would say more towns and villages than cities at the moment, actually. So if, if you're investing in those, um, you know, they'll, they'll probably come back quicker and better than 
than your big cities um, and your kind of more secondary locations. I think there's going to be some really interesting industrial opportunities because logistics is only going to grow and I think everyone's going to be taking their business online or at least having a having another string to their bow now. So I think logistics, distribution, industrial is going to be a really interesting market to look at. And then offices, you know, um, everyone's used to now working from home. So what is the future of the head office and, you know, regional offices? And I think we're going to move a lot more to hub working, um, serviced offices, you know, um, if you, it's such a massive cost having a head office that, you know, perhaps they could be shrunk right down. So, you know, there's going to be, um, there's going to be perhaps, you know, be some more, more office to resi opportunities coming along, um, commercial to commercial to resi, um, and, you know, very kind of niche, niche sectors within the other kind of, uh, groups of commercial property. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Susie. Really enjoyed that. No worries. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, some interesting points there from Susie today. Um, I guess one of the biggest areas that was discussed there was the change in the high street. So any comments from your side there, Kevin? Well, the retail space, as far as you know, going into cities, I think she talked more about cities. Going into cities is going to look and feel very different in years to come. It's going to be less about going in, you know, to shop and to, you know, to buy those non-essential things. Um, she talked very loudly, and I think quite rightly, about the space will be used for different things, you know. So we'll, we'll we live there, we'll work there, we'll play there, we'll eat there, we'll do all sorts of things, but it's less going to be about the retail side of things. And, of course, all the... The restaurants and the, the socialising will all come back, not necessarily in the short term, Chris, but I don't think retailing in the way we've seen it before historically will ever come back. If I look at the number of bloody parcels that arrive at my house every week, I can tell you Amazon are doing quite well in the COVID environment. Mm. Mm. So the opportunities, Kevin, I mean, people now who perhaps are, you know, looking at commercial or certainly were looking at commercial before you know this this all kicked in how's that landscape going to change in terms of where people should be focusing on well i mean she talked about if you're already a a tenant it's a good opportunity to be renegotiating things and i think that's sensible to always look at that keep integrity of course there's no point Nobody would want to take advantage of, of a landlord, but I think there's going to be a lot of renegotiation going on if you are a tenant. If you are a business owner like many of our members, Chris, um, who have their own business, it could be the ideal time to go and find a property that you could be both a landlord and a tenant yourself, You know, because there will be opportunities to be had to buy commercial space good premium space, but at a discount. But I think the big change is likely to be commercial to residential, that point she made about living in the cities. And I think that's going to be a big one. And many of our members, Chris, are doing that and looking at that. So if you know, you're interested in learning more about the opportunities that will come, like the opportunities generally as a result of a new life, get educated now. You know, and I think she made that point, you know, spend the time, not just thinking, not just thinking, well, I'll see what pans out, 
you know, get an education and get an education now. And those with uh, SASs, that sort of supercharged pension scheme for people who want to take control of their pensions, Chris, and then they can get involved in these opportunities at whatever level they want to, then, you know, look at how you could use your SAS funds to consider this as a diversifier from the convention of investing in the stock market because the stock market itself has been somewhat volatile. And, you know, it always is, isn't it, really? We remember 2008. We remember many, many years before that. We see a continuous cycle of this. But if you've got money in a property, even if the property market goes down, you're still getting a rental income. So you get that degree of separation between the ownership of the asset and getting a cash flow, whereas most people in the stock market, if their money gets hit by 20 30%, they don't have an income coming from that asset. So they're just going up, going down, or staying the same. This accumulation model that I think is so flawed for those people who invest in the stock market excessively, nothing wrong with having some money in the market and probably on a different podcast, Chris, we can identify, maybe we should do in coming weeks, you know, those people who are taking a stance about the state of investing in the market or hedging against the market. But right now, you know, I think what she was saying is, don't worry if you've got cash, you know, cash is king in property, because there will be opportunities to take advantage of that. And that means not just your personal cash, but your business cash, your pension cash, collaborating with others' cash. You know, cash is going to be a real big value giver when the marketplace is starting to unravel itself. And there'll be many, many opportunities to be had. And uh, I'm priming myself for that. Susie's priming herself for that. And probably Susie and I will talk about that. And I think she wants to create, as I said, in the intro, Chris, you know, training specifically around that. So anybody interested in sharing in that knowledge with me and with Susie and with other collaborators that we have who we've also identified this as an opportunity is just let us know, you know, drop a note to hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk. Is that the right place, Chris, for people yep. to flag that interest? That, so That's a good place. Yeah. Hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk. And um, if we've got your details, we'll clue you into that knowledge. And uh, hopefully, you know, many of us will profit from that, again, out of integrity, but seeing those opportunities as they arise, Chris. Yep. We send out a newsletter every Wednesday. So we have Wealth Builder Wednesdays. We have the podcast coming out, obviously, every Wednesday morning. And then we send a newsletter. So if anyone listening is not receiving that at the moment, again, just drop us an email, hello at Wealth Builders, or sign up for free membership. And you can do that over at wealthbuilders.co.uk forward slash membership. And I guess with the restrictions that we have for a couple of months at the moment, Kevin, it's a good time for everyone to just really learn, use this time to start really learning and educating. And we're seeing a lot of that with our members at the moment, aren't we? Just taking time to press that reset button, learn and get positioned ready for the next phase that obviously is going to is going to approach us in the next few months. Yeah, Chris, we talk uh, Wealth Builders in our membership program. We talk a lot about the the different types of uh, people we work with, Chris. Remember, we call them the Ds, you know, the the drifters who will just keep thinking and thinking and thinking and miss out on every opportunity. The delegators who will jump back into the stock market and 
just trust or, or would never even move the thing. They just trust the market and get placed in harm's way again in another decade when another crash comes, um, just repeating the same mistakes. The um, I suppose the DIYers who will try and find a, an opportunity somewhere, um, but be thinking about it and then get round to it, or the dynamics who will be ready. They'll be primed. They'll be absolutely ready for those opportunities. And that's, you know, what we would encourage everybody to be. Spend some time now thinking and, you know, join our join our community for free. You can think and use the sounding board of the Facebook group and so on. And uh, we'd be welcomed uh, to do that because there will be opportunities and not every opportunity is right for everyone, but there'll be opportunities in the market, opportunities in property, opportunities in commercial property, opportunities everywhere. Wealth building is always massively accelerated in times of great change for those who think outside the box and are willing to be, I suppose, humble enough to know that they should be reinventing themselves and thinking about the new normal, not the old normal, because the old normal ain't coming back. So just before we sign off today, I'd like to just give a shout out to our latest review on iTunes. That comes from Nick Blythe. I think Nick's someone you might have had a, a phone call with actually, Kevin, recently. Nick refers to that in his uh, review. He said he stumbled across this podcast when looking for podcasts on property development and wealth creation. And the information content in each of the episodes that he's listened to so far is some of the best advice that he's heard regarding property. And um, thank you, Nick. We really appreciate your review. And if you're listening now and you've been enjoying the podcast, then we'd really love, obviously, if you could spare a couple of minutes and drop us a review on iTunes. And uh, uh, yeah, let us know if you've been enjoying it. Well, and tell somebody else, you know, uh, that's the whole point. So I did speak to Nick. He reached out, you know, he said, I love your podcast so much. I just have to say hello. And I thought, well, look, you know, what, what can you do? You know, when somebody does that, you reach out. So reached out, had a chat. He works for the NHS, you know, is one of our heroes. Um, I'm so delighted that um, I spent a few minutes with him, maybe 15 minutes or so. And uh, he couldn't, you know, stop himself from doing a review. And, um, you know, I hope when things get back to normal, which will be a different normal for him working for the NHS, that uh, somehow the government recognizes those heroes and does something better for them than leaving them in the kind of, you know, PPE lurch, at the art at the moment, and I hope they're well recognised in the future. And I applaud them certainly for the for the sterling work they've done, Chris. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, that's it for this week's episode of Wealth Talk. I've enjoyed that, Kevin. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll catch up on the next episode. Yeah, I look forward to it. many opportunities to come, Chris. So until next time, see ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget that we are constantly updating our resources inside the Wealth Builders membership site to help you create, build and protect your wealth. Head over to wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership right now for free access. That's wealthbuilders.co.uk slash membership.